Can y'all hear me okay? Excellent. Well, I know that uh, today has already been a great day here at the Gate Church. You know, we love worshiping so much that uh, it's about all we would do if you'd let us. And we just go all day. And one thing that I love about the worship team of the Gate Church is that if I would let them, they would do it all day. And so, you know, many of you know that today, a little later today, we're going to have the great privilege and honor of sending my dear friend and our brother, Ashley Neely, into the next season of his assignment. And so I, I know and I'm sure that there are some of you that you're here today to help participate in that. Some of you may be watching online to participate in that. So I have a word from the Lord today for you all here. Uh, we are going to be doing that a little later in service. And so we're doing it at the end on purpose. For those of you that just came for Brother Ashley, uh, we're not offended uh, by that by any stretch of the imagination. However, we are entrapping you a little bit so that we can have the opportunity to minister to you today. Because we believe, and I know this, that God has a word for you today. I was not only taught this, I've seen it modeled to me. I've watched it happen. And I've experienced it in my own life. The power of the gospel, the power of the truth of God's word is simply this, that you can be in a time or a season of difficulty, but one word from the Lord can shift and change everything. And let me tag this on the end. It can change anything. I need you to know something today that our Lord does not rule and reign because of muscle and swords and smart bombs. He rules because His Word carries all authority. And so when He wants to change something in our life, He just has to speak it and things will change. And so I'm excited to bring the Word to you today. Uh, I'm going to deliver this possibly a little differently than you're used to. And uh, I want to give credit where credit is due and honor where honor is due. There is a, a man that is very dear uh, to this church family, but he's very dear to my heart as well. I have a tremendous amount of respect for him. He is a very unique character, uh, but I have a tremendous amount of respect for him as a man and as a brother in Christ. And uh, we were texting a little bit the past couple of days, and um, he had shared something that the Lord had placed on his heart with me, and it ministered so much to me. It encouraged me. It helped bring some focus to my life. And as I was meditating on what he had felt to share with me, um, I found myself writing and studying some of the things that I'm going to be sharing with you today. And so uh, as I bring the word today, as I share with you, uh, I strongly encourage this, that this is a word that I have written in the first person. And so I may not be addressing us or we, I'm addressing you today. But please know that as I wrote this, I was writing it in the first person for my own life. And I believe this, that we are entering into a season of harvest here at the Gate Church. And that harvest is far more than pumpkin lattes and pretty leaves on the trees. I believe there is a supernatural harvest, not just for us in this city, but I believe that the world is truly groaning and calling for sons and daughters of God to not just take our place, but to preach the gospel and to sing worship and to make known the love that our God has for our planet. And I personally believe this. Uh, I was taught this by our spiritual father that he simply said this, that when it's dry, it's good conditions for a fire. And when it's quiet, it's good hunting. 
And so that means that even when we look into the world and we may see difficult things, here's what we know as believers, that God is getting us ready to do great and mighty things. I'm going to go ahead and start right here and let you know this. Thank you, Sarah, that you're not here on accident. You were not born here just because your mom and daddy got together. Your mom and daddy was your ticket into this world, but it was the Father God above who He made you, formed you. He gave you a purpose, and He sent you into this world for a specific reason. And so I don't believe that if you're listening to me today that it is by accident. It's not because I am so great or profound. Many of you know these things are not true. It's not because of me, but it's because there is a God who uses normal people, broken people, smart people, handsome people. He even uses ugly people and uneducated people. God uses it all to work together for His purposes. And so today I want to talk to you about how God turns struggles into seasoning. How God turns struggles into into seasoning. Can I get a little amen in here? Listen, one thing I love about Oklahomans is that we work hard, but we like to play pretty hard too. I love Midwestern folk because most folk here are hardworking. They have a pioneer spirit. They're, they're ingenuous in their way of living and doing things. We don't wait on somebody to give it to us. We're going to go out there and make it happen boomer sooner. Don't worry, OSU fans. My family's in OSU. We probably pull for OSU a little more than OU, but every now and then, Boomer Sooner works for spiritual purposes. <laughs> there is nothing worse than barbecue brisket that wasn't seasoned properly. Listen, folk east of, east of the Mississippi, they don't know, y'all. They just don't know. I'm an East Coast boy. I'm an Appalachian boy. I'd never had brisket until later in my adult life, and I had a spiritual experience. The first time I was at Bedlam Barbecue, and I remember Bishop Miller and the staff looking at me while I put that first bite of brisket, moist, juicy, pepper, sugar, salt, garlic had been encrusted on that thing for hours in that first bite. I thought maybe if I jumped, the Lord would just take me on in to heaven. There's nothing worse, come on somebody, there's nothing worse than a piece of chicken that it ain't got enough seasoning on it. You know it and I know it. it we got to get it out in the open. There's nothing worse. If you're making the chicken and people ain't eating it, let me help you. You're making two mistakes. You ain't putting enough seasoning on it and you're cooking it too long. It's dry. We wear leather on our shoes. We don't like to eat it, okay? But don't you know that that's how our lives are as well? And many times we misunderstand how it is that the Lord takes the seasoning and gets it on us gets it, works it into our lives. He imprints it onto our soul. He wants it so deep on the inside of us that when we speak it, comes out. And it comes out in the way we live, in the way we feel, in the way we choose, in the way we speak. But we misunderstand and sometimes, and it is true, sometimes the Lord seasons our life with blessing. But here is something that I'm learning as I follow Jesus. Most of the time, I interpret blessing as when a lot of food in the pantry, there's enough zeros in the bank account with a, another integer in front of the zero. 
It's not just zeros in the bank account. There are whole numbers in front of the zeros. That's a blessing. When there's gas in the car, leather seats in the car, the kids are healthy. We say, I'm living a blessed life. But then you make the mistake of going and reading the New Testament. And many times when I read about the life of Jesus and his disciples and his apostles and the people that he raised up to carry out the gospel, I don't know that I see always what we would define as a blessed life. As a, we can say this, they may not have always looked blessed, but the men who he left behind were well seasoned. Are you following how I'm thinking here? Okay, well, I hope so. The Lord doesn't just season your life with blessing. The Lord also seasons our life with struggles. It's an uncomfortable reality, and I know that many of us, we were taught a a malfunctioning religion that said when God wants to season our life, He's going to give you cancer. Can I just go ahead and get this out of the way? That is an abject lie that was spoken from a place of ignorance, of not truly knowing the Father heart of God. God will never, ever, 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 ever lay on you a struggle or a difficulty that you cannot manage. God does not teach us lessons through death. God does not teach us lessons through death. If people die young, people die early, people die sick, that is not an indicator that they had some deep or dark sin in their life. Sometimes when our marriages fall apart, that's not because you didn't pay your tithe. Sometimes when your marriage falls apart, it's because broken people do bad things and it makes bad things happen. We do still live in a world that has some brokenness in it. That being said... Just because God doesn't punish us with pain doesn't mean that he won't walk with us through difficulty. Because let, please, 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 please hear what I'm about to say to you. When God brings blessing into your life, when he brings deliverance into your life, when he flexes his muscle to set you free and give you good things, that is in fact what he's doing. He's demonstrating to you, look how good I am. Look at what I can do. Can I say something to you? God don't mind to show out a little bit. Let me try that over here. God don't mind to show out a little bit. He likes to show out in your life. Here is something that I have experienced. When God does miraculous, instantaneous things in my life, it shows me what he's capable of. But when he walks with me through struggle, that's when I learn who he is more than what he can do. Let's say strong medicine right there. Let me try over here. When God does miraculous things in our lives, it's what he can do. But it's when he walks with me daily through the struggles of my life, that's when I learn who he is. The definition of a blessed life is not just knowing what he can do, it's knowing who he is. Can I suggest something to you? Demons and devils know what he can do. People who don't believe and don't love God know what he can do. But sons and daughters are called to know who he is. The essence of eternal life is knowing God. 
If you have your Bibles, you can join with me. If you don't, you can just participate on the screen behind me. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. This is the Apostle Paul writing to church in Corinth. Wish I had a little more time to unpack some of this, but uh, we're just going to jump right in. Is that okay? I hope you got your seatbelt on. We're about to accelerate just a little bit. And Paul says this to the church in Corinth. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations. So here's what he's just explaining to them. He refers to himself in the third person. It's his way of through the pen he is projecting humility. And here's what he's saying. The church in Corinth is obsessed with high spiritual things. Angels and gold dust and feathers and high heavenly experiences and Paul doesn't necessarily condemn he says this you might think you've had some high heavenly experiences but I myself have been caught up into the third heaven and here's his words I have seen things that would be wrong for me to speak out of my mouth here's what Paul's saying you think you all are bad but I'm badder I've been places you can't even imagine So he transitions and he says this, lest I become exalted because of my spiritual experiences, these things are happening to me. He says, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Let's make it country for a minute. Lest I get too big for my britches. Concerning this thing, this thorn in the flesh, I have pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So here's what he's saying. Rather than try to impress you, rather than try to impress the world and to brag on myself or to talk about high spiritual things, I would rather tell you about how when the, the enemy comes against me, when I'm persecuted, rejected, when I go with little, when I have a lot, I would rather tell you about the grace of God is sufficient for you rather than getting you up into the third heaven. Knowing grace in this world is better than not knowing grace in another Some people trying to get to heaven, I think that God is looking at us saying, I'm not trying to get you up here. I want to show you heaven on earth. And so I would say to you and ask you, have you ever said yes to the Lord, but you were greeted on the other side by thorns? Have you ever asked for relief and heaven said no? Have you ever asked for help and none seemed to come? Have you ever received all the things that you thought you wanted, but what you didn't account for in your dream was the pain that was required? In this passage, Paul is facing a very serious challenge in his life. Paul is in pain. But Paul, is, he's been pleading with God. He's depending on God. He's imploring God. But God responds, no, Paul, there's something that I have for you called grace. Grace. 
and it has been released to you. Many times, as much as we would desire an alternative solution, we would require, we would desire another way out, God looks at us and says, Son, I've already given you something that can carry you through. I have given you my grace, and according to that measurement that I've given you, God deems this, that my grace for you, son, is sufficient, and it will carry you through this challenge. Three times Paul says, Lord, please take this from me, but God responds, no, my grace is sufficient. And so I want to say this to you. Can't you see already how powerful the grace of God is? Can't you see how urgently and how seriously I need to recognize His need, our need for His grace in our life? Sometimes you and I, we are praying like Paul. Lord, take this from me. Lord, why are you doing this to me? Lord, I don't want to do this anymore. We keep repeating and asking God to do something in our lives. But what you need to hear is the Lord saying, son, connect with my grace. Learn to look deep within yourself. Paul had to become, he had been unaware of the power of the grace of God that was in his life to deal with every thorn in his flesh. Paul had been unaware of the power of the grace of God, unaware of the sufficiency of the grace of God. Friends, our church, and I believe the church across the world, we must understand and reconnect with the sufficiency of the grace of God. Once we understand how sufficient His grace is, there are some prayers that you won't pray anymore. There's some desires that you won't desire anymore. There are certain struggles that you have in your flesh that you won't succumb to anymore when you begin to realize that the grace of God is sufficient. I'm saying it again to try to get through to you. Three times Paul pleaded with the Lord, and three times the Lord replied, Paul, look inwards. Grace has been given to you, and according to the calculation of heaven, we estimate that the grace in you is more than enough to deal with the situation around you. You may be listening to me today, whether you're in this building or somewhere on the other side of a camera. You may be listening to me today and you're going through a difficult time, a difficult situation, a challenging period in your life. But I can say to you, according to the authority of Scripture, that the grace of God in your life has the capacity to carry you through any struggle that you are facing in your life. That is why it is important for us to stop, to seek Him and to listen for his voice. It is critical to listen for that still, small voice because that voice may be whispering, but that whisper contains within it a truth that will shake the foundations of your life. And that voice is whispering this, my grace is sufficient. It is important to trust the grace of God on your life. We must pray out the grace of God for our lives. And we must walk in the grace of God for our lives. There is no power on this earth, whether it be natural or spiritual, that can come against a man or a woman that is living in the fullness of the grace of God. And our prayer must be this, Lord, 
Lord, I want to walk in the fullness of your grace for my, li for my life. Do you realize that the grace of God is a dimension of power? It's a way of living. It's a way of choosing. And that dimension, it has power. It has effectiveness. And so whether you whisper out the grace, whether you walk out the grace, there's power and sufficiency for you to live. The grace of God upon a man or a woman sets you apart. The grace of God on your life is what will make you unique, separate you from the crowd, and separate you from the herd. Genesis chapter 6 and 8 says this, And Noah found grace in the eyes of God. In a generation that was corrupted, in a generation that was marked for destruction, in a generation that was too filthy for the Lord to spare, Noah found grace. He found grace. He found grace. Gr the grace of God for Noah, it saved him and it saved his family. You may sometimes look out into the world and say, Lord, the world is going to hell in a handbasket. Quit looking at the destruction in the world and start finding grace in the eyes of God. If the grace of God will save Noah, it will save you and it will save I. The grace of God for Noah gave him a blueprint of technology that no one had ever seen or ever built on the entire surface of the earth because he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That grace that Noah possessed, it positioned him for the unique things of God, the unusual things of God, the wondrous things of God, the mighty things of God. When you find grace in the eyes of the Lord, get ready to experience the fullness of God. 1 Corinthians 3 and 10 says this, according to the grace of God which was given to me. As a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. Another builds on it. And let each man take heed how he builds. This is the Apostle Paul again writing the church in Corinth. And he is saying this. He is emphasizing the power and the significance of the grace of God. I want to remind you something. Grace is not earned Grace is not earned. Get, grace is not proven. You can't perform good enough to somehow get more grace from God. Grace is a free gift that he has had already predestined and arranged for you. So when God called your name and he formed you and he made you in your mother's womb, he was looking all the way into 23 and he looked at Nick and he determined before Nick ever got here, this is the grace that Nick will need to live out the fullness of all that I have for him. Before you drew your first breath, God had already given you all the grace that you would need to become the man Wisdom to build, wisdom to establish a new family line, wisdom to work, wisdom to advance depends on the grace that God has released to you. I know and I believe that there are many people who are struggling with how to build their family, how to build their ministry, 
how to build themselves or build their career, how to build their purpose for their life. But Paul says this, it's according to the grace that was given to me. You can't build anything wisely in the realm of the Spirit without the grace of God. Education is good. Passion is good. But the element that enables you to build something that will outlast you is the grace of God. Many people try to build according to knowledge, according to what others are doing, according to what they downloaded on Google, according to their own lusts and desires, according to their capacity and their strength. That is why they fail. They will keep failing. Repetitive failure is predetermined when you start trying to build outside of the grace of God on your life. It's grace on your life that enables you, empowers you, and emboldens you to build, to actualize, and to realize the purpose, the plan, and the agenda of God as a wise master builder. 1 Corinthians 15 and 10. Band, you better come in a hurry. 1 Corinthians 15 and 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am and his grace towards me was not in vain because I labored more abundantly than them all he's talking about the other apostles it was not I but the grace of God which was with me grace will keep you grace will build you but may I also say grace will make you and define you. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. Let me say it again. I am what I am by the grace of God. Anything that you are that is built on something other than the grace of God will die the moment you die. The parts of your identity and purpose that are built on the grace of God. Grace is eternal. And when you build on it, you may leave. But who you are, what you've done, stays behind. I am what I am by the grace of God. When grace is poured out on your life, that person becomes a different entity, a different being altogether. When grace is poured out, people will wonder. They'll look at you and say, how are you doing this? How are you able? How is it that you have what you have? You've gone where you've gone. You've said the things that you've said. How is this possible? I can't see it. I can't rationalize it. I can't understand it. When you build a life of grace, you'll look back and say, not I. Not I. It was the grace of God with me in me and on me the cry of my heart is to honor my king that one day when I'm old and they ask me how how'd you do it I'll have this simple response it's not me. It was the grace of God. So you may be like me. 
And I don't ask you rhetorically, but sincerely. Do you have a desire in your heart to become more than you are now? Do you have a desire, a longing, and a passion to live differently than you live now? When you close your eyes, do you have a dream? Do you see a picture of a world that doesn't exist? When you're tired and weary, is there a fire that burns on the inside of you that says, there's more glory to win for my God. There's more lives and souls to be saved. There's more love to be poured out. There's more worship to be sang. Do you see a world that doesn't exist? Because I do. And you're like me and you live in this world now. And you dream and you obsess and you pray out for a world that you haven't seen. What do we do? What about our prayer life? What about our marriage life? What about our ministries? How do we become? How do we pray? How do we worship how God wants us to worship? Can I say this? There's nothing wrong. But perhaps you've gone to school. Bible school, you've read the books, you've sang the songs, you have the worship playlist, you've listened to popular preachers, and those things are good in no way do I condemn them, but maybe you feel I'm doing all I know to do, but I don't feel I'm going any closer, I'm moving any closer to this world that I dream about. What do I do? What should I do next? Look within because the same God who's given you that dream has given you all the grace required to build and to create that dream dreams are not realized by hard work and sweat alone dreams are not realized in classrooms dreams are realized when men and women wake up when we see it, when we realize it, that before the foundations of the world, a God who loved me and gave himself for me, he has given me a grace that I can go where he tells me to go. I can build what he tells me to build. I can say what he tells me to say. When he tells me to stand, having done all to stand, I can stand. When I feel overwhelmed and my heart wants to cave in and run away I will lift up my eyes and realize my help is coming over the hill there's a grace for my life to be the man to be the husband that he's called me to be there is no opponent spiritual or natural that can stand against you when the grace of God is on your life. There is no opponent in our nation, in our nations, that can stand against the grace of God. That grace causes His word in my mouth to be as effective as His word in his mouth. 
It's the empowerment of the Spirit and the grace of God that when I lay my hands on the sick, they're healed and they recover. And even when I can't get to them, like the Master, I can speak a word of healing and the grace, the wind of grace blows that word to other cities, to other communities, to other family members. You may not even know where your babies are this morning, but you can speak a word out of the grace of your life and grace carries that word to wherever they are. You may have babies in hospitals or in jails. You may have babies that are turned away and run away. Don't allow the brokenness of the past and brokenness of humanity to steal from you the measure of grace that God has given you as a father and as a mother. There's a measure of grace. What is built according to grace cannot be compared to what is built by a diploma. A marriage built by grace is incomparable in its functionality and purpose and fulfillment. Incomparable to a marriage that is built by money, looks, and therapy. A government built by grace will outstand and outlast any government backed or built by the World Bank, by smart bombs, by NATO, by allies. Grace is stronger than it all. And if you call yourself, and I hope you do, if you call yourself a member, a covenant partner, a son or a daughter of the gate church, hear this, that a church established on and built with the grace of God will outlast and will outshine bank accounts, governments, persecution, old buildings, old systems, pain from the past, trauma from the past. I need you to hear what I'm saying this morning. There was a grace, there is a grace, and there shall be grace for this house. We will be and we will do all that God has given us to do, not by might, and not by power, but according to the Spirit of the living God who has given us grace to declare the gospel, to pray over and heal the sick, to set free them that are oppressed. The grace of God in me and in you. We will leave a thumbprint on this city that our children, our grandchildren, and our great-grandchildren will bless us and they'll bless the God who has given us grace for our time, for our season, and for our age. Stand on your feet and pray this along with me. Grace 
grace, Lord, let grace be poured out on me. Lord, allow me to find grace in your sight. Lord, help me to build my life upon your grace. Lord, let the testimony of our lives be that we were touched, rooted, connected, upheld, and sustained by the grace of God. Lord, let our hearts be branded by your grace. Let our minds be shackled by your grace. And let the lines of our life be laid upon that solid and eternal thing called grace. Let me, allow me, help me to walk out my calling according to the grace that I find in you. Jesus, let grace be poured out in my prayer life. Let it be poured out in my marriage. Let me carry your grace wherever the sole of my foot treads. Lord, let our work not be motivated by carnal human knowledge, but Lord, let our work depend and be motivated totally and completely by the grace of God. All you have to do is this. Lord, I receive all the grace that you have for me in my life. Pour it out on me, Lord. Fill me up with it. Overwhelm me, Lord, with your grace. There are some people here you walked in under your own power you're about to walk out under the power and the influence of the grace of God there's some mamas and papas need to know that when you go home you're going home under the power of the grace of God grace to love your spouse Grace to keep your covenant to your spouse. Grace to love your babies and to lead your family. When you go into your workplace tomorrow, you're not going in as Roger or Kelsey or Tim or Jalen. You're going in under the power of the grace of God. Now grab the hand of your neighbor very quickly, very delicately. I'm not going to pray. I've already done that. We've already done that. Look at your neighbor on your right. And let them know this. I don't know what you're going through. But heaven has said, the grace of God is sufficient for you. Now turn to your left. Don't forget them and say, I don't know what you're going through. But heaven has said, God's grace is sufficient for you if you believe it's true can you help me give honor and glory to the one who gives grace thank you Lord thank you Lord